We talk about it once a month. So, you know, it's been stopping from very valuable. You feel like you're believe Inside Cast back on track. Hello, insiders. Yeah, here we are again, ladies and gentlemen. Hoy voy a hablar con Diego, un hermano mío aquí. Estoy muy contento por hablar con él. Y también uh, yo estaba, uh, yo grabé un podcast con él, uh, creo que en abril o junio, no me acuerdo, la, el mes. Pero uh, yo estuve muy contento por hablar con él, con su programa en Chile. In today, we're going to bridge Spanglish, a little bit of Spanish, a little bit of English, so that all of your audience all over Latin America, they can have fun, they can learn something so that you guys can improve uh, your minds while you're working out uh, in the gimnasio, no sé dónde estás, en el autobús, pero me gustaría muchísimo que uh, all of you stay with us here today. You see, I am breathing Spanish and English all the time because uh, I brought another star here today, as I'm saying, right? We only have stars. It's almost a constellation of, of people that we have around here. And uh, <laughs> this person is a reference for me when it comes to uh, healthy food, whole foods. You know, I, I met him back in 2016 at Wildlife in the city of Dallas when we ran together. Uh, I, I was used to running and then he He was my, my running mate that day. Uh, y es muy curioso porque el año pasado lo estaba en Chile y le encontré a él uh, con mi esposa en un restaurante. Nosotros, creo que nosotros tuvimos, uh, me olvidé el nombre de la, de la carne, el lomo de cerdo. Uh, es el churrasco brasileño, pero en Chile, Uruguay, uh, parrilla, la parrilla con él. En Chile, entonces estoy muy contento. Muchas gracias, Esteban. Welcome, make yourself comfortable, introduce yourself for us. Hey, Thiago, should I go in English, Spanish, um, Portuguese? No, dude, my Portuguese sucks. <laughs> whatever, no whatever you feel like doing, like you can do like once in a once in English, and then you can go to Spanish, and then you can joke. Okay, sure. Uh, my name is Cristóbal Duran. Uh, in English, they call me Chris. I'm 31 years old, I'm from Chile, I live in Santiago, and I currently own uh, El Camino Dairy Farm. Uh, it's an all-natural dairy farm in the south of Chile, right in the beginning of Patagonia. That's where, that's where we are at the moment. Gosh, like Patagonia. Uh, I've never been to Patagonia, and I only hear a lot of good stuff, Tierra de Fuego, uh very chilly place yeah. how is it to, to to operate a business there why was it there why not santiago so if you can give us a brief explanation about that yeah so basically uh as you know uh, chile is a really narrow area but it's super long and and we have different uh weather around the whole uh, country so in the north it's pretty it's warm and it's almost it's pretty desert Uh, we have the Atacama Desert, which is uh, pretty big. Um, in the middle, you have Santiago, which is sort of like a mix of what you have in the south that is really uh, dense and, and very, uh, it rains a lot. So it's kind of cold, but it's beautiful. It's beautiful to be around. So you got long grass. It feels a little bit like the, 
like a little bit like Scotland, um, some parts of Canada. Like it's it's a beautiful place to be. And we started at the farm over there because, um, w well, we had this farm. Um, and my dad was, uh, he used to sell milk to cheesemakers in the area. Uh, most of them were, were super like um, underqualified production. It was just like putting this milk together, mixing it up and making like super like simple cheese. Um, and that was fine at the moment. However, uh, year 2014, after 20 something years, my dad was selling milk. Um, by the way, out of um, grass-fed cows, which was something really new for the Chilean market. Um, and suddenly, uh, the cheesemakers uh, wouldn't pay him in money, they would pay in cheese. So they will go like, hey, I'm sorry, we didn't, uh, we couldn't sell the cheese, so here you go. There you go, you have a ton, go make some money out of it. So um, he had to take this in the south, bring it to Santiago, which is an eight hour drive. And and eventually we had to have like a, a ton of cheese in my house uh, where we lived in. Um, you have no idea how the smell was like. Dude, I don't know if you've <laughs> ever been to it. It was super strong. Um, I still remember that, that smell. I'm a cheese lover, by the way. Dude, I mean, I, I'm also a cheese lover, but it, uh, you don't want to smell cheese. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you want to eat it. So um, as soon as, as this happened, he was like, okay, we're done with the whole like milking facilities. We're just going to sell uh, the farm and we're done with this. Um, and I was graduating from university. I have a business degree. Um, and my brother is also... He's an engineer, and my other brother is an. He, he studied um, business too. So um, when when he said this, we're like, "Hey, hold on! We need to see if we can do something else with with that milk. It's it's a great product. Um, it's coming from grass-fed cows. It's all natural. Um, maybe we can try to understand a different concept of making business in Chile. So why don't we buy this milk from you?" Uh, first of all, we'll buy 100% of what you give us. That's that's the basis, so you you can feel comfortable with that. And after after that, we'll figure it out. And that's how El Camino Dairy Farm started. We started with this idea of helping first my dad, and secondly, we wanted to do all natural dairy products with uh, grass-fed cow's milk, and that's what we started in 2014. Um, and it was great. It was a great thing. It was pretty, pretty new for the market and it was super fun. This was my first uh, business and it was amazing. Oh, by the way, like you talked a little bit about uh, being healthy and uh, you came out of an exaggeration of, of uh, the quantity of cheese around. And uh, uh, why? green food? Why did you tackle this kind of market? Uh -huh. So, uh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, in 20, like 2007, 2006, my oldest brother went to live to the United States. Um, he followed his dream, his passion of being there and, and do something. He, he went to study. Uh, eventually, he was going to be there for a year 
and this is the year 2020 and he still hasn't come back. <laughs> He's an American citizen at the moment. Um, and there is an American inside America. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So when we remember 2007, we didn't have Zoom nor WhatsApp. Maybe we had a little bit of Skype. I'm not sure. But um, connectivity was not as great as it is right now. We are speaking, we can see each other at this moment. Um, you're talking from Brazil and from Chile. So it's a wonderful time to be alive. Um, however, in that moment, uh, we just used to shoot emails and he would tell us what was going on. He used to live in, in California, in LA. So uh, 2007, things were pretty... The, 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 this whole green concept was starting in Latin America, in the US, it was bigger. They're always a little bit faster than what we are doing in our continent, in our part actually in Latin America. So. Um, in 2014, when we started the business, he was still in the U.S. And, and, and we took what was happening over there and we tried to bring that concept of green food. Uh, we were not organic, we are still not organic, but we were trying to make things uh, like focused on organic production and uh, stress-free production for the cows and so on. So, that's how it started. Uh, we decided to go like following this trend, which made a lot of sen sense to us. Um, and we are based on that idea. Yo creo que nosotros, hoy nosotros tenemos muchas personas que les gustan todo ese mercado verde. Y me gustaría saber también uh, si ese es el mercado más grande que existe en el mundo. Uh, cuando nosotros estamos hablando de comida, de natación, con todo, o si es una cosa muy pequeña, pero va a crecer, aún va a crecer, o ya es el más grande de todo. ¿Cómo ves este, ese mercado eh, en los días actuales? Eh, vámonos al, al español ahora. Um, voy a tratar de ser lo más neutro posible para que se entienda también, porque el acento chileno es súper thick en ese sentido. Eh, yo creo que la industria verde, por así llamarlo, es una industria que viene creciendo eh, a nivel mundial en todo ámbito y, y cada vez se ha ido apoderando de un mayor market share, de una mayor participación de mercado. Eh, en un principio, en 2014, la producción que buscábamos nosotros de, de leche de vaca de libre pastoreo era súper específico, de, de nicho. No sé cómo se dice eso en, en portugués o se Hola. entiende. Eh, era súper, súper específico, un target muy acotado y habían muy pocas tiendas en ese minuto que podían vender esos productos porque obviamente son, son un poco más caros que lo que podías encontrar en el mercado. Entonces... Eh, si nosotros comparamos lo que era el 2014, la industria, no solamente en términos de, de los lácteos, sino también en, en, en el ámbito de la alimentación, eh, ha habido un cambio gigante. Yo me imagino que en Brasil ha sido parecido. Acá en Chile las empresas se han tenido que adaptar eh, a las corrientes de, de alimentación, tanto europeas como americanas, y eso ha generado mayores beneficios en términos de salud, mejor producto para el consumo final, para el cliente final y eso finalmente el mayor beneficiado es el consumidor así que siempre es bueno eso Sí, y 
yo también creo que toda esa población que está creciendo ahora, los niños que están, están creciendo como teens, están creciendo con una mentalidad uh, muy buena para consumir solamente lo que es sustentable, lo que es verde. La industria verde. ¿Te acuerdas que... Te, perdona, te, ¿te acuerdas que cuando chicos nosotros no era tan relevante qué es lo que comíamos, nos podían dar un, un candy o lo que sea? Y, hamburguesa y... con papas fritas. Sí, hamburguesas, papas fritas, dan, no necesitas más, y la hamburguesa no queríamos saber los ingredientes, simplemente era comida rápida, un hot dog o lo que sea, simplemente salir del paso. Comer era para poder sobrevivir. Hoy en día es una situación completamente distinta. Un niño hoy en día tiene, tiene fruta, o sea, nosotros también teníamos fruta, pero, pero está mucho más incentivada, es mucho mejor visto a lo que era antes. Uh, ¿Conoces a Shake Shack? Sí, claro. So, uh, Shake Shack um, es una, un, un buen ejemplo para nosotros, porque yo fui allá en, en Nueva York, a mí no me ha gustado la hamburguesa ahí, yo creí que hoy eran muchas personas, la cola era muy grande, pero me gustaría saber lo que, cómo era la hamburguesa de ellos, entonces me fui allá, y yo creo que el facto de haber muchas personas allá en la cola para comer la, la hamburguesa de ellos, es exactamente por esa conciencia global que las personas están teniendo, ¿sí? Por ejemplo, Exacto. una otra cosa tenían, no sé si conoces el restaurante In-N-Out Burger. ¿Conoces? Love it, me encanta. También. ¿sí? Fanático, fanático. Y, eh, uh, y la, la gracia justamente de In-N-Out es que tiene, una, tiene un modelo de negocio súper lean, súper simple en la estrategia. Eh, ellos no buscan generar la hamburguesa con más sabor, sino que es como mantener esta tradición de lo que era la hamburguesa de una plain patty, eh, tomate, lechuga y su salsa Thousand Island. Ya está, ahí está el menú secreto y todo, se arma toda esta cosa, pero la calidad en sí misma es como oh, incomparable. No, no, es muy jugosito el, el sándwich. Y también Exacto. el milkshake, el milkshake el tradicionalísimo, solamente la leche con uh, la, la, el chocolate, uh, uh -huh. vanilla, no sé cómo se dice en español, creo que vanilla también, sí. Vainilla. Vainilla, sí. Uh -huh. Y la, la frambuesa también, no sé si se dice así, no olvidé. Solamente sí, frambuesa. Ah, sí. O frutilla, no sé. Frutilla. Yeah, se depende de, cuando, de dónde nosotros estamos hablando, ¿sí? Exacto. Uh, entonces, el simple, el link, te ha entregado el mejor, porque las personas, ellas, ellas son locas por, la, por in and out. Una cosa sí. interesante también es la grasa que ellos usan. Uh, ellos no usan la grasa común, uh, ellos usan la grasa de girasol. ¿Sí conoces esa nice. torre? La misma. Ajá. En, en sí, sí. Entonces, yo creo que eso es training. Las personas las están buscando esas cosas ahora para que ellas puedan tener la, la conciencia uh, limpia y poder comer saludablemente. ¿Sí? Sí, imagínate, eh, justamente, by the way, te voy a comentar que, que cuando estuve en Río, eh, a mí me encantó, no, no sé cómo lo llaman ustedes, pero TT Burger, TT Burger. Eh, ah, no sé si te suena, ¿no te suena? No. Eh, ah, sí, a ver, no sé si se va a leer. Titi Burger, no me acuerdo. 
Es amazing. Es súper bueno que hay en, bueno, cerca del país de Copacabana. Eh, otra de la, otro de los modelos de negocio que también uno, uno a veces siente que, que han ido mutando y se han generado estos conceptos como más, más sano tanto en los ingredientes y en el concepto también de marca, que también es lo que a mí me apasiona. Eh, se siente en, en Chick-fil-A. Yo no sé oh, si estoy comido en... Que tiene, que tiene justamente un, un origen de, de, de hacer una, una alternativa a KFC, a Kentucky Fried Chicken, eh, con ingredientes más sanos y también con, 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 te atienden mejor. O sea, es todo un concepto mucho más humano y cercano y es amazing, amazing. Sí, nosotros también tenemos Five Guys, no sé si conoces. Sí, sí. Five Guys también tiene una, 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 una atención especial a la persona que se va allá. Es un poquito más, más caro, pero uh, la experiencia es muy buena también. Tell us a little bit about, uh, about your company, how you made it so far, because I know that you are in all supermarkets uh, that really want to sell good. So tell us a little bit about Dairy Farm, El Camino. Yeah, so... Um, El Camino Dairy Farm, we started in 2014. Uh, seriously, we started really, really small. Not, no, we didn't have like a bunch of money. This is not like a great concept where we had like, hey, like a thousand, like, no, dude, it was really, really small. Um, we sold everything we had, uh, including my, my, my brothers and I. Uh, I sold my car. Oh, Yeah, do it all in. That's what we wanted and that's what we aimed aimed for. So um, with the money we brought together, we could buy machinery from Italy. We were looking for a small, like small size, like a small batch uh, production. We didn't want to do like a huge thing. Um, and we found these, these machineries in Italy, uh, which were a great opportunity for us to, to do like a 300, liters per batch so that's our that was our thing at the moment um we started making cheese same cheese like i don't think you guys um have it it's called mantecoso cheese sort of like a havarti cheese it's it's a like a semi soft cheese it only has 21 days of aging so it's not as strong Um, but anyway, it's a it's a nice product and it was easy to sell at the moment in, in at the moment in 2014. So um, that that was great. However, people were asking for more products. They were like, "Hey, this is very interesting." Um, we went to a to a fair. I don't know if you guys have like a fair where you buy your space in there and and you you offer this to, yeah, to clients. Okay, cool. So. We just went to Santiago, which is where we wanted to sell, and we brought our products here. And people were really keen on knowing about us, about our product. So as soon as we finished the, the, the fair, I went to one of the stores that I was aiming for. The, the best store I really thought our products could be in. I went on a Monday and knocked on the door I had my, my, my dairy products in a bag and and I said like, hey, I want to speak to the manager. Uh, bring it, bring that's, it here. That's pretty old, good, hard yeah. work and bootstrapping. I love yeah, this kind of dude, stories. I really needed to like, hey, 
we're selling cheese, we're not selling a service nor an experience. We need to do this like all the way. We need to like get out there. Nice. And, <laughs> and it was great because this guy, he comes down, he's pretty, pretty young. Maybe he was 35 years old. And he was like, hey, what's up? Like, I'm El Camino, I'm, I'm Cristobal, I represent El Camino, blah, 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 what I told you before. And he, he says like, wait a minute. And he takes a flyer like a, out of his pants, out of his pocket, and he says like, are you these guys? Because he had, uh, he went to the to the fair during the weekend. And he, he tried a product in the fair, and that was amazing, because it was our first step in. He saw us working, he saw we were a family working together, and he was like, sure, sure, just bring your products, we'll figure it out. And we've been working with them since, like ever since. It's been six years working with them. And we started with cheese, then we continued with yogurt, all natural yogurt, like no thickeners, no no anything. It's just milk and the, the, the thing, the cultures, you call them, uh, that make it uh, a yogurt. And it's a funny thing, uh, this yogurt at the beginning, we used to uh, put it inside of what we had like honey buckets like where you, where you store honey uh, they were a kilo um, but they were just horrible I mean they were super ugly looking packaging and the the the, the, the sticker we made it was designed by me and dude I seriously suck at making stickers but I really wanted to go get it out there I really wanted the product in the market so we lasted, we, we went to the market and they actually bought it. And I was like, no way, are you guys really gonna buy this? That was amazing. That was the first thing I really felt like, wow, people are really interested, even though uh, it looks awful, even though it breaks, because it, it was like a plastic bucket, like really, really fragile. And, and but that kept us going. Like we said like, hey, we are, people want our products and we'll get better eventually, but we need to get it out there. And that's how we started. Then we went to a, a, any other store and we would go like, hey, uh, do you want our products? We are in the other store, the big one, the one you are trying to copy, we are over there. So that's maybe you so want to get our product. <laughs> yeah, that's how we started. That was fun, that was fun. What would be the, I don't know if you could put in three words, uh, the three main ingredients that made you thrive like oh if i hadn't done this i wouldn't have gotten so far where i am if i hadn't done this and blah 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 so what would be the three most important ingredients in your path in your career that made you uh where you are right now um okay sure i think passion is one of the most important things you need in life um if you are gonna do something you're gonna do it like like you really want it. Like it's the only thing you really want and you are going to get there because you are passionate about what you're doing and you want to share this passion with others, either your customer or the guy you're selling the product to. But you got to share this, this, this something that goes beyond the actual product. It's what you're selling, this whole experience, this whole idea of, hey, I've got this that is better than what you can find in the market please believe in me and you'll see how it goes. Um, that's the first element. 
the second one I consider important is commitment. You gotta commit to what you believe in. And it goes like, it's part of being passionate, but if you wanna be, if you wanna have something that works in the market, you gotta try it and you gotta commit to it and you gotta stick to it. You don't have to be stubborn about it. You just need to go for it. And if you believe in what you're trying to do, stick to it until some until you can't go any further you gotta go and and stick to what you believe in so you gotta commit and commitment for me was um i lived in the south your break the right? farm yeah exactly dude I, i i lived in the south for three years i, I lived by myself uh in the middle of a farm in the middle of nowhere because the the nearest city uh was 25 minutes away And, and and basically during winter it rains like 90% of the days and it's super cold like the, the top um, temperature you, you'll get the maximum would be like maybe six or eight degrees it's um, and during the nights it would be freezing cold and I was by myself so I didn't have anyone to like to, to comfort me so um, I committed to this and, and I really believed in what El Camino was trying to represent. I was trying to make my family um, also happy with what we're doing as a whole. And and I guess those are the most important. Uh, you want to help me out with the third one, but passion and commitment for me are super important. Yeah, like since you, you kept the ball rolling, I mean, like, uh, I, I I would say something that goes along with the commitment we just, we just shared that is uh, focus, right? Focus for me is something that really um, separates successful people from, from failed ones. Um, because you're gonna fail, that's for sure. That's uh, one of the rare certainties we got here on Earth, that you're gonna fail. And then, how hard do you want it? How bad do you want it? You know, how hard do you want to fight for what you want? Because If you if you stuck on the first uh, block that you see in front of you, really uh-huh. is that how how bad you want this? No, uh, and of course, not, not just focus because you need to go over the barriers that is going to be in front of you, but also um, to not lose track of what you need and what you want. Example uh, here, American insight, right? Uh, we made it uh, when it comes to English. Okay, great. We're franchising, growing. Blah, 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 blah. Great, awesome. Uh, guess what? How many times I heard that, that story say, hey, Tiago, why don't you try Spanish? Why don't you try French? Why don't you try Portuguese? I said, I don't know what. All right, Portuguese. Uh, we are the number six of the world when it comes to, to, to learning Portuguese, uh, Portuguese speakers, sorry. Spanish, okay, like we're in the middle of uh, a lot of Spanish-speaking countries, plus Spain and a couple of African countries as well. All right, well, let me cast, let me make a question. If there is a crisis and you need to choose between your Spanish classes or French classes or Russian classes and uh, uh, your gym, what would you choose? I'm gonna I'm gonna worsen a little bit. If we need to choose between this languages study and also um, I'm not gonna put food, but let's say 
uh, restaurants. It's different from food. Food supermarket, it's essential. Right. The mass mm -hmm. pyramid, you know, helps us out understand it a lot. But, of course, people are going to go for the restaurants. You know, they would like to eat hamburger. They would like to eat pizza. Like, food that makes them happy. Carbohydrates. That's how they see, right? Right. <laughs> of course, like, it's a critical moment. It's crisis. So, you need to tighten your budget. It makes a lot of sense. I fully understand. But let me put something on the table. English, 3% of the Brazilian population speaks English. I'm talking about proficiency, right? Wow. We got we got around 8 billion people in the world, and out of this, around 800 million speak English. So, I'm talking about 10% of the world population speaking English, that it's the business language, that's science, science language, cultural language, travel language, anywhere language. I've already had the opportunity to go to Asia, Europe, Americas, and I spoke the, I spoke French, in France and Spanish in Chile and uh, Peru because I want to practice, but it wasn't necessary. I could I could ha I could have hung around with uh, English, you know. Exactly. So English is ne is a necessity. People people need it. Otherwise, they don't work. They're out of market. Their career is gonna be stuck. Business won't make. People don't have money because everything's tight, so they don't have money to to pay a translator. And translator, our rates pretty high because we make translations, so we know it's pretty high. It's a dead end, right? So that's why I turned, uh, I had to turn uh, the thumbs down a lot of people for a lot of people because they uh, suggest me to teach other languages. I said no, doesn't make sense because of this, 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 and that. Oh, but you made it in English. You can make it in any language. Oh, let's make Mandarin. Oh, really? Uh, don't you think, you think that Chinese don't speak English? All right, I got it. So that's right. the point. If I didn't have focus, I'll, okay, let's put a Spanish course, Spanish program, Spanish teachers, Spanish methodology, Spanish material. Boom. A lot of things I need to change. Is it worth it to invest so much time and money in something that doesn't have such a, a very good return investment as English? I'm talking about my example, of course. Uh -huh. So that's why I say, I would say focus both to not be stuck when there are barrels. I'm not going to say a barrel, but barrels, blocks uh, in front of you. And also when people try to make you stray when it comes to your goal, your objective. Got it? Good. I, dude, I totally agree. I totally agree with you. Yeah. A lot of people lose their, their tracks in the middle of this. It's a, dude, it's super easy. Like, like in your case, it's, it's all about languages. I mean, uh, Spanish, French, uh, Mandarin, whatever. Uh, in our case, it's like, hey, so you guys are making dairy products. Why don't you make, <laughs> dude, how many dairy products do you have in the world? Like a thousand. You can't even name them. We we only know like 10 or 20 or if you're someone who knows a lot, maybe a hundred dairy products. But why don't you make this special kind of cheese that's grown in the middle of again, France and, and dude, that's great. But I need to <laughs> stick what we believe in and, and it's hard. We only have... At the moment, we have uh, so we have uh, fresh cheese, we have um, yogurt, and we have uh, manjar, which is like what's the name of manjar in manjar? Manjar is the same in Portuguese. That okay, we have, awesome. And manjar in English, so it just sends a little okay. bit of pronunciation. So okay, cool. So um, and 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 we we've been in this thing for six years and of course i would love to have different kind of like like i don't know mozzarella cheese or or 
I don't know, Gruyere, whatever. There are so many different uh, types of cheese in the world and they're amazing. But uh, in order for me to start something new, I, it's not as simple as saying, okay, I'm gonna do that. I mean, uh, <laughs> dude, you need to change machinery. You need to, you need to teach uh, the workers how to make the products. You need to find the market for it. So it's uh, it's not as simple as you would believe. So um, I'm with you on that one. Like definitely, you need to commit and and stay in what you believe it's good for your what you're doing. Yeah, just correct something here. I just checked. Uh, they call uh, flummery or delicacy the manjaro we're talking about, right? Right. Uh, but if it is like pre-original, uh, you can call it manjaro. But okay. that's how you'd say delicacy, right? Definitely, you know, people don't understand the cost of opportunity. So that's a very good concept for us to jump into. And also the return of investment. I love Pareto. Right, you know the principle of Pareto. So, yep. if you have, uh, for example, you talk a lot about uh, about a lot of different kind of cheese. Suppose you would make some money out of it, right? And uh, out of this, they represent twenty percent of your revenue. So, does it compensate to have so much effort just to have twenty percent more in the place of having this? I would do. I would improve my my procedures. On the 80% revenue, and then that my fault would be way lower in order to be able to enlarge my profit margin. So I would have way more uh, revenue with less less fault, uh, and my market's also bigger. That's how people don't think and they think they should tackle the road when it comes to have a very wide range mix of products, right? Dude, it's um, to put in simple numbers, uh, I'm just gonna throw like. We can actually, as I told you before, we have 300, 300 liter batches. So that's what we can make during an eight, eight hour production. Um, in terms of cheese, uh, this will make about 30 kilo of cheese. That's 30 kilos per batch. So if you put that to like, I don't know, like $10 per kilo, that would be $300 per production. So in that same time, I mean, in that same batch, I can make either 30 kilos of cheese, which gives me uh, 300, or I can make 300 uh, liters of yogurt. And yogurt, I can sell for uh, about $4. Yeah, about $4. And that gives me $1,200 per production. So just a simple number, you see that, People might say like, hey, but you should definitely do this kind of cheese. People will buy it. Okay, but it's, and you said before, like it's opportunity cost. I mean, it's not as I have like free time and, and <laughs> dude, people need to rest. And I, I can only make one or two batches per day. Um, and it's only a seven uh, day week. So I could have like limited production And if I'm making $1,200 and people are buying this amount of, of, of yogurt, uh, dude, I'm gonna stick to it. I mean, it's an amazing idea what you're telling me, but you gotta, you gotta understand that I'm gonna take the exact same time to make either $300 with cheese or $1,200 with yogurt. I mean, it's, it's four times the revenue and it's, so, and it's cheaper to make, so you should buy yogurt. Awesome. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, like for those of you guys and girls who are listening to us, it's pretty good uh, concept to understand the opportunity cost. Okay, so I heartily and uh, strongly suggest that before jumping into something, an investment, a new venture, really analyze the cost opportunity, uh, the opportunity cost, uh, because that's going to translate to you whether it is viable or not to keep on having that idea inside of mind, pounding and eliminating it, making it vanish from your mind. That's interesting. Um, yeah. Uh, I know, Cristobal, that a lot of people who listen, uh, you know, they would like to have insights and tips about uh, things in life. You know, some people, they are not entrepreneurs. Some people, some people they are entrepreneurs. Some people, they are students. And uh, it's also a good time to inspire. Uh, those of, uh, of our listeners, because we've already crossed the five continents. I mean, Africa, Australia, Oceania, Asia, Europe, Americas, uh, United States of America is our second uh, greatest audience. And then we have all over Latin America. Uh, so it's a wide difference. We have people from Poland, Japan, Japan, China, South Korea, New Zealand, Egypt. So it's wild, wow. wild. And then probably out of this thousands of people who were listening to us, there is somebody thinking about uh starting a project or endeavoring or uh doing a master's i don't know in whole food natural food green food because it is trending what kind of tips could you give them um yeah first of all dude congrats on those on those numbers that's amazing you guys Thanks. are going all over the world that's that's so cool Appreciate it. um and and you're sharing something that's pretty like noble it's it's awesome you're sharing um opportunities and and you're giving people the the idea of, or i mean actually opportunities to making things in a better way and if in any sense or any way uh you and i can help uh someone who is really not fun and it's kind of nervous i don't know if i should invest in this or start my own business uh if we can help them out that's the best we can do so um starting a green business is not as hard as you would think uh it, obviously it'll depend on each, each country um however chile has very strict um policies regarding um aliment uh, al alimentation like it, it's not simple to start something like that you need you need uh, tons of Uh, procedures and and you gotta stick to them. Or is this the same? Dude, it's what we call bureaucracy. However, as you know, I'm 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 having my masters nowadays and I'm studying a, a public administration. And the first thing they told me was, bureaucracy is our friend. And I was like, oh, no, no, dude, I hate bureaucracy. Okay, so <laughs> I'm in the middle of understanding uh, why we wanna uh, work with. Uh, bureaucrat. So I'll let you know when I'm done with the masters, a uh, right. couple of years. So I I guess the best thing to understand before starting a business is trying to trying to get where you will, where you want to position yourself in the market, either if it's a, a green product or if you're a, a service or whatever you you feel like or you feel the market needs. Um, is where do you see yourself and what's the market size 
it's always hard to determine what the size of the market will be. However, um, you can always try to find a way to, to just to get like a sense of, of, of market size. And uh, once you've got that, you can actually I'm see... I'm just interrupting you for a second. Yep. Uh, I'm really studying something about market size, how to define it pretty well, because sometimes people say, okay, we got 8 billion people in the world. Right, I want to tap, uh, let's say, uh, one 100 million people. So I just need one percent of the world market. Like, right, exactly. This is so shallow, right? It's and, just one uh, percent. Yeah, no, I want 0.01 percent. No, exactly. there is something called Tam, Sam, and Son. And Son is specifically like uh, what kind of uh, what percentage of the market can I tackle around me? Like that could really purchase my uh, solution. So there are techniques uh, to help out with this and not saying random numbers about 1% of the global market, for example. Exactly. Um, I guess that's one of the main mistakes one makes when, when I guess when younger, I used to make it like every time uh, when I was studying business, uh, determine the market size was super hard and I will always go with the same you were saying like um, we want to find this it's an amazing product and we want to have just 10% of the market in Chile and the teacher will go like 10% how are you gonna achieve 10% if there are companies like like in cars for example um, uh, like brands that really have like a marketing budget of millions of dollars and they have like a 4% and you want to begin yourself, you want to get into the market with a 10%, why? And 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 do you understand you have to make like a huge uh, investment to get that 10%? Okay, so that was that was a great mistake one uh, you would do when you're, I guess, younger. Um, but basically what we did was um, try to figure out what we saw in the market. We, we actually saw what was happening in the US, as I told you before. Um, and, we, and we looked into the Chilean market. Uh, we studied like tons of market research. Um, we read a lot. We read about about how the Chilean market was actually buying. I mean, regarding food and how much did they care about what they were eating. And in 20, 2014, things were totally different and up to what we have at the moment. People were not that interested into into healthy food. People were not as uh, interested in what they were actually eating. And and during these six years, you see that people are super interested and people are reading the ingredients and and that made the the, the market bigger. It's it's a wider market nowadays. So. Um, Basically, first of all, I would uh, find something if it's either a product or a service, define it well, um, consider the market size and see what's going to be, what's going to make it different and than what you have in the actual market and how is the market going to find it different? Because it's something, you might have a great idea, but if the people don't want it, no one's going to buy it. So you're going to be like super honest with yourself, tested with people you have around. And, and if you see there's some interested, don't, don't take like, uh, like criticism in a bad way. People, are, people will always criticize, but hopefully when you are starting your business, 
people will criticize in order for you to make a better thing, better product or, or service. And, and you'll take this criticism in order to make it better and not to lose a friend or a, a member of your family. I guess that's part of the, that's what I believe it's super important and deal with frustration. That's super important in the, at the beginning. Things not not always will go the, 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 the way you want to, um, but it's part of being an entrepreneur. Like you gotta you gotta adapt, you gotta iterate, you gotta find the way to get the best you have into the market, and the people really are interested in what you're making. That's that's the main basis. The art of listening, right? <laughs> listen, listen to your customers, listen to your leadership. Listen to matters. Listen to people who know more than you. Uh, don't exactly. think that you know everything. Mr. Know Everything, sorry. You don't have a place when it comes to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> That's how it works. Oh. Does it, regardless of you having a PhD, double, uh, I don't know, international, super uga mega dupa, doesn't make sense. You know, you need to be humble enough to listen to others who are more experienced than you. That's awesome. Yeah, um, actually, so, so sorry. Um, no one of the things when we started the whole uh, the, the business of Camino, um, we 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 wanted to make this product and get it into the market, and we want to start. We wanted to start with a supermarket because it was the fastest way to grow, um, and it was the the best way to get uh, volume, and it was. An amazing idea. Like, okay, we are here at the moment. We're just making this. We don't really know how to make it, but we're making it. And we want to be in the next month. We want to be in the shelves of every supermarket in Chile. And and we actually had some few networking events, and we could actually meet with supermarkets, and and we show them our yogurt and our cheese, and they said like, dude, your product sucks. I mean, seriously, like it has, it's so deficient in terms of not the, not the, not the, 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 the flavor, but regarding packaging, regarding logistics, regarding pr uh, pricing, it was super, um, it, it wasn't made for supermarket, supermarket at the moment. And I was really, really upset. I was like, you know what? You don't know a thing, even though you've been in the in the market for 20 years and i've been here for two months you don't know a thing and that was when i really realized that dude he was super right he was super right uh, and i was i was to learn from this experience and understand that um even though we want things really fast uh we should really listen to what's happening and and criticism is always trying to help you out Some people think, no, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I won't have bosses anymore, so I'm going to be my own boss. I'm going to boss around. I'm going to be bossy. Really? Oh, so uh, each customer, each client that you got, that's your straight, direct uh, boss. He can fire you whenever he wants. And he's not just going to fire you, but he's going to purchase, he's going to buy, he's going to be loyal to your competitor. So it's not just gonna okay. I'm not gonna put my money in Tiago's in Cristobal's business anymore. I'm gonna put in your in your in your competitor. So like his me. money is still in the market, but it's not coming to you. This is worse than being fired, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, totally, man. That feels that way. It sucks.
We're coming to the end right now. Uh, I would like you to give a moment for you to do your final remarks. Microsoft. All right. Uh, all right. All right. Thiago, so, so uh, thank you so much for having me here. Um, it's always a great opportunity to, to share um, what we've been going through. Um, I know for a fact you're an amazing entrepreneur. And you started American Insight from scratch, uh, same as we started El Camino. Thank you. Yeah. And and dude, it, it, it's it's super. It's amazing to see like hard work um, will get you there. Eventually, it'll get you there. But you gotta stick to what you believe in. You gotta be passionate about what you do. And if you keep going, you keep going. You keep growing through shit because entrepreneurship is not like beautiful and you'll go straight up and you'll feel wonderful and every single day you'll feel even better. Uh, no, that's a fantasy that doesn't come into life. Like not even, you can even ask Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos. I'm pretty sure they're going to tell you the exact same thing. Um, entrepreneurship is not for lazy people. Entrepreneurship is not for guys who, for people who, who believe that, that, things go straight and direct towards um, being stable, exactly. Um, you'll have ups and downs, like, but it's gonna be so hard that sometimes you'll feel like, why am I in the middle of this? However, when it get, gets you up there, everything, you forget about everything that's bad. So you're gonna stay there, stay stable. It's super hard, you know about this. Um, but if you're passionate and committed to what you aim for, you'll eventually get there. All right, Cristóbal, thank you very much. Muchas gracias por todo, por tu tiempo aquí con nosotros. Lo estimo, suceso para ti, tu emprendimiento, tu emprendimiento donde estés. Guys, ladies, gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, this is Cristóbal Duran. Thank you very much, my friend. Have a great day, night, and evening. I don't know what time you're listening to this. <laughs> it's actually the same time. Muito obrigado. Oh, that's some Portuguese. Great. <laughs> We're talking about it once a month. So you know, it's been stopping from Very valuable. Feel like you believe American Insight.